Hello, everyone, and welcome back to In Our 1990s, a podcast where your two hosts are ranking every alternative album from the 1990s. And as always, it is very hot here, and we're just going to be grumpy and talk shit. I'm your host, Natalie, and with me as always is my co-host, Adrian. How are you doing, Adrian? Oh, not so bad. Even though it's hot and shitty. I mean, it's not, I mean, how you know? I like, it's, it's, I've been fine. I stay inside. I don't wear sleeves now. And it's, it's been a, a real aesthetic for me. Though I did wear a sweater on a meeting earlier just to be spiteful. Uh, yeah, you know, you gotta express your spite through your clothes whenever possible. It's, mm. it's really the best way to do it. All right, well. Before we get into the sweeps albums, I have a correction to make of my own. I said last week when we were discussing uh, Get Lost by the Magnetic Fields that there was a song on 69 Love Songs that had very carefully fucked up and out of sync tremolo. And I said that it was Abigail Bell of Coronan, which a song does not have that. It is actually the guitar solo on All My Little Words that it has the fucked up tremolo. Uh, so there we go. That's a very minor correction, and yet I feel that I should make that correction. As as a running theme on this show that we talk about tremolo. Mm, yes. It's your first tremolo-based correction. Mm, look at you continuously being wrong about tremolos. I might put a tremolo effect on <laughs> my voice on the correction. <laughs> um. Okay, so I feel like this is going to be a short episode. I don't think we have a ton to say about the Sweeps albums. So we're just going to get right into it. Um, our first record for this week is Viva La Woman by Chivo Mato from 1996. is their debut album. Um, Chivo Mato, in case you've never heard them, they are Japanese expats in New York. Um, so they're not based in japan which probably explains a lot of their sound being much more um well i don't think their sound is, is i don't like know how this particularly is in- japanese yeah i don't know how this is indistinguishable from like anything momus was doing in like that same time frame because so many of these beats are so momusy. well so i mean just to dive right in this is this is way more of a trip-hop album than i remembered it being mm-hmm which is weird because I, I was on for an American, <clears throat> especially an American in the South. I, I was on the trip hop train relatively early. Um, I got into it with, with Portishead's first album, um, which I pretty much bought like right when it came out. So I was into trip hop. So I knew about trip hop when I listened to this album. And it just somehow completely like missed me that this was so trip hop. Really, because I feel Apple kind of just like sets that the the tone for this entire album. Like it just, yeah. I mean, especially as the first track on the album, it just it just gets right into it. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know what I was thinking. It like white pepper ice cream. Come on, that is yeah, that is just a straight up Portishead song. It it is. It's one of my least favorites. I think it's just. So I I'll be honest, Apple birthday cake and know your chicken and the candy man are like my favorite songs from this album uh apple keeps sticking out to me just because of like the, the fullness of like the, the 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 layering there's really great percussion on, yes. on apple it's really um it, it's maybe like a less standard trip hop beat than than like most of the stuff on here which may be why I like it more. I don't have nothing. I have nothing against trip hop. It's just it's not something that I actively seek out. Uh, I vastly prefer their second album to this. I I don't know because I think it's less this. Yeah, they so Yuka Honda. So Chivamato is Yuka Honda and Miho Hatori, and Yuka Honda is more the like musician slash producer and Yuka, um, Miho Hattori is more of the vocalist, even though they both do a little of both. Um, and Yuka apparently was disappointed with uh, how they kind of had an opportunity to go into the studio and, and make this. 
And I guess she was kind of pushed to just like, oh, well, you already have the stuff all programmed for live performance. So why waste time redoing it, any of it? Just use your live performance tracks. And so I guess she was kind of like, she had bigger ambitions for this than what it, than how it turned out to just sort of be like, we'll just use the beats we already have and stuff. So especially on uh, Stereotype A, they went way more into a like live instrumentation direction. Um, mm-hmm. They also added uh, Sean Lennon to the band between the first and second albums, which he mostly played bass, I think. So that added like a lot more live bass tracks to to what they were doing. Yeah. And it, and it shows. I mean, this album isn't bad by any means, but it, it just has kind of a... This is a whole thing. Like, presentation. Like, it's not fully formed, but it is something you can you can tune into. I was having trouble picking out individual tracks before I listened to it for, like, the last time before we started doing this. I, I was just... I have this problem where Chibamato kind of like blends into itself, like every song kind of it's it's they they are clearly different and they're they are arranged differently, but it's a very like samey percussion that is very trance. It's very like you just yeah, I'm very vibing with the way that this percussion is going, so that's how I'm gonna go from now on, and that's what this album kind of feels like. Yeah, that's really funny to me because I have like the exact opposite feeling on their their like two their first two albums. Like I, I don't find anything on Stereotype A all that memorable outside of like Sci Fi Wasabi and Spoon are like the only two tracks I ever like remember off of that. Mm-hmm. And um, whereas I feel like this this album is like so their their um, previous band they worked together in a noise uh band called uh leito laichi before chiwamato and i feel like that comes through more in viva la woman like they went in a more just kind of straight funk and hip-hop direction on stereotype a that i just felt like was more kind of mainstream um whereas i feel like this album has in the lyrics and the vocal performances is like way more experimental um, it doesn't come through so much in the music, the musical side for the most part, except on theme, which is the really long track, um, the the requisite really long track that's on every '90s album. Yes. Um, how theme like kind of it starts off as this kind of like spy the spy theme jazz, and then goes off into like where she's like rapping in Japanese. And it builds up and builds up, and then halfway through the song, it just cuts to this, like, one loop that's playing over and over. And she's kind of, like, whispering in French. And it took me so long to describe that that I totally lost the point that I was making. (laughs) So if you can remember what I was trying to get at by describing that song. Mm, I'm sorry. I I don't, because that's kind of how I feel about this whole Chibamato experience, that this album is here. And I remember liking, you know, certain songs from it, but like, it, it, it's weird looking at like their Spotify history, because I, I like looking at like what songs bands are best known for once we start doing this. And three of their top five are from this album. So it's Sugar Water, Birthday Cake, and Beef Jerky, which are three songs I kind of don't give a shit about on this Which album. is weird. I would have thought it would be Sugar Water, Birthday Cake, and Know Your Chicken. Yeah, Know Your Chicken is, should be more prominent than... I don't think of anybody associating them with... Like, Beef Jerky, to me, seems like a song that it's, like, yeah, that not, has, not one people think about. So, if we look at it this way, uh, Sugar Water has two over 2 million listens. Birthday Cake is 8... Thousand three hundred uh eight thousand oh sorry eight hundred thirty three thousand I am bad at numbers and then beef jerky is eight hundred thirty two thousand yeah so sugar water was kind of like their breakout song which amazes me because I think it's maybe the worst song on this album yeah <laughs> like I think sugar water's super boring um I've never really been into that song it's it's not bad it's just dull comparatively yeah i mean i I prefer birthday cake know your chicken and apple to all three of those yeah um 
I got way into Know Your Chicken going back to this. That that uh, that was the song that kind of like stuck in my head. Not not even just an earworm in in an earwormy way, although it did. But also like I thought a lot about like what the fuck is the song about? And in doing some research, I, I can't really find where anyone seems to know what the fuck the song is about. Um, <laughs> but somebody made a really good case that it's about oral sex, and I honestly feel like that is the best. Uh, a com- I mean, they were half joking, but then it kind of it does kind of seem like it's if it's about anything and it's not just them being weird, um, intentionally weird, which I don't like to. I don't like to dismiss stuff that way. Like it's just it's just weird and it doesn't mean anything. Um, it, it does kind of seem like it's a like sexual awakening song to some extent, and maybe like an explicitly like gay sexual awakening song it was amusing listening to it yesterday when suddenly our neighbors unleashed some chickens in the backyard so i was listening to know your chicken and then (laughs) happened from our backyard and i'm like oh what the fuck so yeah we have we have yard chickens now (laughs) yeah so anyway i still don't really know what know your chicken is about but i think it's like maybe the best song on the album now it's very weird and in a way that i really like I was also way more into white pepper ice cream going back than I used to be. I that that's one of those songs that doesn't hit for me, but like that's fine. It's one of those. It's a situation where like I can I can tell why other people would like it, but it's one of those songs. It's like I'm good. Never listen to this again. It's so. bleak in a way that Portishead's second album is bleak. Mm, yeah, I get that. Um, Artichoke is also very dark and very good. Yes. Um, so like the two big, like upbeat rap songs on this album beef jerky and and birthday cake i think are really great um i it's it's weird to me because i I do kind of think of them being remembered as the like wacky japanese rap group from the 90s Mm -hmm. and it's only because of those two songs and like really they didn't do anything else like that Except there's a song called Barbecue on an, the Super Relax, I think is what it's called, the EP they put out between Viva La Woman and Stereotype A. Mm-hmm. And it's a live, I don't think they ever did a studio recording of it. It's just a live track. It's really great, and it's really similar to those two. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I just have more no- working knowledge of Stereotype A. I listen to that more than this album overall, and my, my knowledge of, of Chibamato starts in 1999. And it's that album sounds different than this. And going going back to this one, knowing how much I like Stereotype A has been difficult. It, it's not coloring it and saying that like, this album is shit or anything. It's just like, man, I I have a completely different frame of reference for their music, not having listened to this album as much. And I'm gonna accept that. And there are things on this album that are great and. But I mean, again, like Apple keeps coming back to me as like the thing I like the most. But it also weirdly kind of sounds like Yokohama, Ch- Yokohama Chinatown. Yeah, it does has, have similar percussion. There's a, there's, there's a lot of like Momus percussion on this album, which is something I, I I keep like my brain keeps drifting to. Yeah, I'm not sure what that instrument is, but the kind of clattery, rattly percussion that, that both of those songs have, it, it it's I, I really like it. Um, it almost sounds like cowbells of various sizes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I like Birthday Cake a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I've known people who find that song unlistenable because of the chorus, like where she's screaming "Shut up and eat!" like through a dis- through distortion. No, it's like fine. people find that really like it hurts their ears a lot. I've listened to enough Milk and at this point in my life that I, I can. It's fine. Um. That song was on the uh, Jet Set Radio soundtrack, or Jet Grind Radio, if you only played the original American Dreamcast release of it. (laughs) And it has one of the most invasive edits I've ever heard. They swear a lot on this album. Well, it's not that. They cut out the uh, the part about we made war with the Vietnamese. Because oh, yes. it's like, we made war with the Vietnamese, the next line is we love LSD, and they cut that, but the way they cut, so it cuts, it's the first line, 
is we were born in the 60s and then they cut straight to like the last line of that rap where it's like can't we just say say la vie and they cut out everything in between <laughs> and it's just one of those cuts where it's like somebody really wanted this song on the album or on on that game soundtrack because they had to cut out most of the song to, to like have it on there um but yeah i of the two like wacky rap songs I, I do think that's the better of the two like over beef jerky even though i also like beef jerky a lot yeah just, you know a horse's ass is better than yours is, is just like a great a great line um, I do want to just say that, like, don't dismiss Japanese acts as, oh, those wacky Japanese. Like, it, it's something that happens all the time because Japanese aesthetics are just really different from Western aesthetics in a lot of ways. And if, I never took that, that, that vibe from Chubamato. I guess maybe it's because I personally don't, you know, discredit entire cultures because I'm not a part of it. Uh, but... I was like, yeah, there's some interesting raps here. There's some fun, like, interpretations of, of imagery. And I, I like the word this is coming from. It's like, it's like a Sobi Sexu. I like that, too. And that's also coming from, like, one person has a perspective and everyone else is not from that culture. But, like, it's... F <sighs> it's annoying. <laughs> yeah, and Chibamato got that worse because, I mean, their name is Italian for... It can mean crazy food or food madness um and then like every song almost every song on this album is quote unquote about food i mean mm -hmm. it's like using food as a metaphor i would not say they're really about food but so it's like these two japanese women rapping and their name is food madness and all their songs are about food and so it had this really, this effect of they were kind of really pigeonholed as this, like, wacky Japanese novelty act, the Japanese ladies who rap about food. And, like, people didn't pay enough attention to, A, what they were actually saying with those lyrics, and B, like, how varied this album actually is. Because yeah. it's like, yeah, the songs all have food titles, except for, like, theme. Um... Because it's but, pointing out it's a theme. Yeah, because it's a it's, it's a spy theme. Um, but it, it's like there's so much more going on, and that sells it so short of what like what a good album this actually is, especially at the time because 1996 was a real doldrum year in music. I think. Uh, I mean. Maybe in alternative circles, but in pop music, it was kind of like a fucking banger, like that. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking because that's like no scrubs and waterfalls and shit happened, <laughs> and no one had time for any other music because you hear no scrubs and we're like, yeah, music's over. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I wish that this album, this album needs like it. It reviewed well at the time, but I think it also like needs a like critical reevaluation um because i do think it just gets remembered as oh yeah like like pink, pink lady or something you know like mm. this this japanese novelty act that was very briefly on the scene and then and then died out and that that's not fair to it's not fair to them no it's not because they're they're quite good and i mean i was listening to their later stuff all throughout my like my teenage years and I, I was into them independent of you. Like I had listened to Shibamoto long before we met. Yeah. And like that I was that was one of those things we had a conversation about. I was like, hey, I, I think I had like my iPod on and I hit a song and you're like, that's Shibamoto. I'm like, yeah, it's Shibamoto and like we were just They're more important than that. And like they, they, they bridge a whole spectrum of music that's important to know, especially if you're talking about um the the mixture of what the the nineties to the early two thousands scene in America was like, so yeah, and in particular, like I think Miho Hattori is a way better vocalist than she got credit for. Yes, it, it's not that she's like, you know, this this she's like, got flow, like that's important. Yeah, she's a good rapper. She's she's good in the kind of the same way as Melt Banana, where she can get really screechy and and like sharp in a way that that a lot of vocalists can't um and there's just some like 
this album is is like way darker than I remember it being, and it like it that's really cool. Like, it's not dark and like a edge edge lord darkness. It's just like it's weird dark. Yeah, and I love weird dark. It, it like. Even, like, the end of Beef Jerky, where she's saying, let's eat carrots together, is, like, kind of <laughs> creepy. <laughs> yes. And then Know Your Chicken has a really creepy vibe to it. And the ending of Theme, even though that song is way too long, it, it's, like, every part of that song is good. It just doesn't need to be nearly, it doesn't need to be ten minutes long. And Artichoke is, is like, really, like, minimal, like, really dark minimalism. And it's just, like, there's, I think there's, like, a lot of, it's not, like... I mean, don't get me wrong, this isn't, like, gonna be a fight to, like, put this at the top of the list. Oh, it's no. not that good, but it, it's... It's a good It's a good album. Like It, like, it deserves way more attention than... It, and a different kind of attention than it than it got when it was released. Yeah, I and mean, when we said earlier, like, things these albums are just here, it's like, it doesn't, that doesn't mean that they're, like, you know, bad or anything. It's just, it just means that this album is, 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 is of its time, but also worth reconsidering. And that's what we're hoping to do with the show, I think. It's just like, yeah, man, did you ever actually listen to this this album? Yeah, and especially on this one, no, people did not really listen to it. Exactly. Not, I mean, they didn't really listen to it. They listened to it, but it was it was a kind of a flash in the pan thing where, you know, oh, birthday cake, that song's funny. Yes. All right. Well, do you have anything else to say about this? No, I, I'm pretty good on this album. It was it was fine. It's not my favorite Chibamato album, but it's not bad at all. Yeah, it probably is my favorite Chibamato album. That's a discussion for a later date. So I would probably see uh, see if see if you think this is shooting for the moon. I think this should go between ten and eight arms to hold you. I think it should go between Swirlies and Digable Planets. That low? That low? Um, you don't think it's as good as What's the Story, Morning Glory? Uh, I mean, no, because that okay. album is better. <laughs> that surprises me. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I think that I think this is a little too. Okay, so speaking from a very American perspective on this, this album is too outside what we're ranking for everything else for it to have ever pulled higher than what we're talking about, than what I was suggesting. Um, I'm not saying that it's it's not worth that attention, but I think Fei Wong's like, whole presence is more cohesive than this album. And so automatically it's like Oasis and Fei Wong are above what Chibamato's doing just because it just was coming out of left field and it was coming into a scene that was already confused and I think if they'd done this later, if like if their whole scene had started later, maybe it would be a better discussion. But in '96, it just wasn't anything that someone was going to listen to. Well, the, yeah, but trip hop had been around for like most of the '90s at that point. Like, I mean, but this, but this isn't even true trip hop. It's just sort of like trip hop adjacent. Oh, I think it. I think it, it's definitely a trip hop album. But I don't, I don't necessarily think that it makes it better than that Oasis album. Like, I'm not going to put it above, like, Dummy or above, like, Mezzanine, which are, you know, two, like, really, or pr- even Protection. I mean, I would, um, I, I mean, I would give you, we could put it just slightly below Oasis. Because I think that Oasis album is more, you know. It was more important. More important and present and I think it's easier to return to. Yeah, because trip hop is harder to return to in a lot of instances. There's a lot of really terrible trip hop, but uh, I'm I'm not gonna like count that against a good trip hop album. Um, this has a very '90s feel to it, and I think that's that's. So I was also thinking that this is like. I was my original like big criticism of this album was going to be that it's like super front loaded, but actually like looking again, it's not it's it's actually it's not that it's front loaded it's that everything up to theme is like really awesome um and then i mean theme is again really good but too long i i don't really like their cover the candy man um, i like it but i'm a sucker for a weird cover i think theme candy man and lapine purdue are kind of weak and then it ends with artichoke which is like awesome mm. 
Um, so I, that kind of kills my argument that it's like super. I mean, I guess it's kind of front loaded, but it but then like it trails the, off the, naturally. The the slow middle is only three songs. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I don't, I honestly, I do not think it is better than that Oasis album, but I am willing okay. to argue um, that it could be just under it, even <laughs> though I think Fei Wong's album is better. What What about uh, the new number 11 between Anxiety and What's Do About Them? Do you think that's too high? I, number 11. So above the swirlies? And below, below Anxiety. Because I think this is better than that Swirly's I, album. I think that's what I'm arguing for. I, I said that I, I would personally put it between those two, but I'm, I'm making the case for... Yeah. Originally, you said between what to yeah, do no. about them so and So, I'm sorry. I'm, my, whole, my whole opinion went on a journey. <laughs> and what I was saying originally was that like I personally would put it directly between Swirly's and Digable Planets. But I think it is fine putting it between Swirly and, Swirly's and Fei Wong. I think okay. that's fine. Yeah, I... I I think that's I think that. they're respectable, and I think that I would I would personally rank their next album higher. Yeah, we'll if you're gonna if argue that. super hard for stereotype A to go higher, I might just have to like live with that being the Chiba Amato album that goes higher on the list, even though I don't think it's as good. I think it's better, <laughs> and I think once you listen listen to it again in like a, a a studied session, I think you'll find that it's better than you remember it. Okay, so I'm that works for me then. So this will go between uh, Faye Wong's Anxiety and Swirly's What to Do About Them at number 11. Yep, sounds good for me. All right, let's get that put on the spreadsheet and then we'll be back to talk about the Dandy Warhols. time to talk about dandy's rule okay the first album by the dandy warhols from 1995 take it away hadrian i mean we had to talk about it right like we had to talk about this first dandy warhols album it's from the 90s yep so portland ass band being a portland portland ass band portland oregon so weird because this is such brooklyn hipster shit oh and And i don't even necessarily say that as like to be dismissive like but it is. It's so Brooklyn. And they, and they really, like, later in their careers, I think they invoke more of that vibe, like, uh, so bohemian like you. Like, that, that whole yeah. that whole vibe is very, very Brooklyn. But I don't, for me, this album sounds very, uh, we're just too over grunge, so we're going to take a piss take on grunge, which is what this album is. Dandies Are Okay is absolutely a piss take on grunge. And... It, with that in mind, it like it, it puts you in a, a mind to listen to how they're 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 couching this album, which is like, look at our witty TV show. Like we're just like a TV show about grunge, and we're just like so funny. <laughs> I mean, and this the here's everything you need to know about this album. The CD starts that that little like beep 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 thing at the beginning is like a cassette tape frequency test thing. Mm-hmm. It like this is like ironic pitch before that was a thing in rock music. Yeah, and and they get better about this as they progress. Because so one of my favorite, uh, more recent Danny Warhol songs is definitely um, oh god, now I I'm saying this and I forget the title of the song, but it's like. She she wears tiny pants from France. Is like it's it's. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, anyway, like, the, the more recent stuff is just more, like, wordplay and nonsense. But they definitely were hovering around the person who was unkempt but has a trust fund. And... Yeah, it's it's very, it feels very trust fundy. I mean, that's a really good way of putting it. Yes, this this album is very trust fundy. Like, their whole aesthetic is very trust fundy. Um... And it really, so I, I think we determined their second and third albums are where you should start with them, because their first album was just like, ugh, whatever. But they finally get a better sound by their second album. This one is very much like they grew up in a scene that was dominated by sirens blaring in the background. <laughs> oh, they're here. Whoop, whoop. Uh, so... My train of thought is completely fucking broken. <laughs> we can edit. 
they are from a scene that was very clearly dominated by Nirvana's sound. They they were because this album came out in ninety five. Yeah, so that was like post grunge. But just on the cusp of like late post, like late grunge, because there were still some grunge acts happening in '95. But like these motherfuckers, what done had a, a a grudge against grunge, made an album that invokes grunge, but is taking the piss of grunge. So like Grunge Betty, for instance, is absolutely a grunge parody. Like that is. I think that is. The, I'm I'm gonna argue with you here. I think that's the only song that does that. Like I think this could not care less about grunge. I think I think it cares, but in a very just like we're done with that kind of perspective. Yeah, yeah. This, I don't this think album it's a really does thing. have like uh, no. Is the sound of this album? Yeah, this this is an album that's like actually we're more into Strawberry Alarm Clock. Yeah, I don't know why you'd think that we would be associated with these bands that are, like, around us. Or they ironically got into Iron Butterfly. This is this is Ironic Butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's, a, that's a whole thing. This, uh, this, so yeah, this Dandy Warhol's album isn't bad, per se. So what I was not expecting, or what I did not remember about this album, because this is another one where I... I bought this album when it originally came out entirely. I'd never heard them entirely based on their name being really good. I still think the Dandy Warhols is a fantastic name. Um, I did not remember that there was a song on this album called Ride that sounds exactly like the band Ride. (laughs) So like most of this album is like, pretty much straight up psychedelic rock but the second track is just weird we listen to some fucking shoegaze yes and so that's a weird thing so when i was looking at the way this album gets classified because you know everyone who's been a pedant on the internet has to have their say in how something gets classified i was seeing this getting classified as shoegaze and be like okay that one song is shoegaze yeah and they're psych they're psych rock and they and so a lot of grunge does take influence from psych rock but if you're talking about particularly nirvana's aspect of grunge was taking a a big page from from glam rock and then other acts around them that were more aware of american acts were definitely more psychedelia inspired and so when i talk about this being in sort of like the (laughs) the miasma of grunge is that it's they are taking that that same psychedelic tone yeah, I don't, I don't get psychedelic from the the only grunge band I get psych rock from at all is the Screaming Trees. Like I don't, I don't hear I that in more. any other band. Maybe it's because they're just like I think there's a broader discussion to be had about how bad people are about describing what things are influenced by. Because I definitely take more of a firm stance that there is more glam and grunge than people want to give it credit for. Yeah, I I can see that. I mean, like, I mean, Nirvana covered David Bowie, and, but, but and there's not- some like kind of Bowie-ish, like, guitar tones on in some of Pearl Jam stuff. I, I don't think it's, like, particularly and, and Hole noticeable. Was very, and Hole was very much inspired by, like, the New York Dolls and Iggy Pop. Like, there's there's a lot of that there. Yeah, so, like, the punkier side of glam. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's still, that still counts. When I talk about glam and as, as a whole spectrum of things, it is both high art and also gutter punk. And it's or gutter glitter punk. So, and and... The Dandy Warhols definitely know what they're doing, but they are too witty, or they think they're so witty, and then the, and the joke and the, the the essence that they're presenting that it just kind of falls a little flat, and that's kind of a through current to their entire out uh, discography. Even though I like the Dandy Warhols, I think sometimes they want to make a real big point and it goes like "Mm, okay honey that's could have been better i feel like they're in this weird position of being like really pretentious and not nearly good enough to back it up and they they can write a banger like the you're the last high uh get off uh bohemian like you like yeah those, those songs are good godless godless is a good song i mean ride is good grunge betty is awesome grunge betty is good even though i was saying that, that song was a piss take it is i mean it's just it, it's it, 
it's a banger. There's no other way to describe yeah, it. <laughs> like it's not that it's not great songwriting. It's it's pretty much just one riff through the whole song. But it's so it's like the one song on the whole album where they like stop being pretentious and just rock the fuck out and like and even then they're doing it through a pretentious lens because if they would just let themselves rock out which is what they're doing now like they make better songs now because they're speaking from a kind of americana perspective which is hilarious because they've entered into in, so the danny warhols now have and we can't really talk about their second album because it was in 2000 so i'm going to talk about it now um, really this is their only 90s album? i think so I thought they had at least one more in the 90s. I have to look that up now. Go ahead. Anyway, I uh, so they've entered into this, this like, just cold piss war that comes with anyone who wants to ta- tackle the Killers for being an Americana band. And the Killers have a, like, okay, after they released um, uh, Hot Fuss, they dived hard into, I'm going to speak about the American experience. To the point that Jarvis Cocker told him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, the come down was ninety seven. Okay. So there's one more okay, ninety seven. So, but so their third album is where like I think they get better overall. But um, they are doing more of that like hitting like taking the tackling the killers head on with this Americana shit. Um, and they're a better band for it because it takes the pretension out of it and it's more of just like, I can invoke a sense of America. And The Killers is a whole fucking thing and I wish we could talk about it on the show because when you get Captain I'ma talk to, talk to you about cocaine socialism to tell you to shut the fuck <laughs> up, it is a, it's a big deal. And he was also very just like despondent about the, the, like, the Dandy Warhols and he just... Jarvis has a, a lot to say about American music, <laughs> and it's adorable. I would compare the Dandy Warhols not as much to the Killers as I would to the Strokes. Yeah, I can see I that. I think they're a real similar, like, they're not really an indie rock band, but they have the pretentiousness of an indie rock band. Yeah. But they don't necessarily, again, with the Strokes, it's like I don't think they necessarily, like, back up their attitude it, it, despite having some complete bangers in their catalog i mean i'll, I'll listen to the dandy warhols more than the strokes uh, yes yeah, i think i'm the opposite but it, again it's like the, See, this sort of weird major label indie rock thing that started in the in the mid to late 90s mm-hmm. yeah but around the time that like i was cognizant of music more directly like this this stuff started popping off and it's it's weird. It's like, oh god, we're gonna talk about OK Go. Do we have to talk about OK Go? I don't think we have to talk about it's, OK Go. It's, but they're I in the same not, vein. The band is boring. Not boring, but they're 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 very much. I feel the Strokes, the Dandy Warhols, and OK Go can all circle around a similar kind of sound later in their careers. Yeah, we do not have to talk about OK Go, which all is right. you know. I I I saw OK Go live before anybody knew who they were, because they opened for the Donnas. I probably I had heard them before most people knew who they were. I'm not and I'm not saying that to brag like yeah. It's not like I saw OK Go before they were famous. Like who the fuck cares? But like, it's true that I saw. I mean, it would have been like 2002 when their first album mm-hmm. came out. Is when I saw them open for the Donnas. Yeah. The Donnas, who were the drunkest band I've ever seen live. <laughs> I have never fucking seen a band closer to just, like, collapsing on stage drunk than, than the Donnas. The only band I've heard worse stories about is uh, The Bravery. Because the lead singer of The Bravery was, like, just... fall down drunk. Like, every single time he was on stage for, like, a good five years. Yeah. Um, so there's a really funny quote. Oops, that's not my notes app. Um, there's a really funny quote from the NME review of this album, um, where they said that it's unfocused, sprawling debut album, uh, notable for a TV theme song, an awful lot of stone noodling, and pretty much sod all else. And I think that's like a really good encapsulation of this album. I mean, obviously, I think that like. Uh, Ride is awesome and Grunge Betty is awesome. I think Genius is like probably the best the best song on the yeah. album. 
um, that or Ride, even though I like Grunge Betty the most. I, th- I think Grunge Betty is the most effective song, but I think Genius might be the best song. Yeah, I think Genius is really good. I do too. Um, it's it's definitely like the centerpiece. Song. But like we kind of have to talk about, and this is the thing, the reason this album is not going to get ranked high at all is that they um just did a whole thing i'm assuming we are talking about it's a fast driving rave up with the dandy warhol's 16 minutes oh fucking christ that's a so that song is over three songs yes it is prelude it's a fast driving rave up with the dandy warhol's the finale and at that point, I almost removed it from the playlist. Because I was like, you know what? This album ends at Grunge Betty. But we're going to have to talk about these motherfucking songs. Because, like, they're fine. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a nice... Okay. It's a driven... Like, if you were if you were at a show, and it's, it's sort of one of those, like... This is presumptuous at best. But if you're at, like, a... Uh, My Bloody Valentine show, and they hit you with the six-minute song of just, like, this driven fucking beat and just, like, swirly, like, just, like, clangy guitar, just, like, and you're just, like, yeah, and you feel it for 16 minutes. You don't want to listen to it in your living room. This is something that works when you're performing it and doesn't work when you're recording it, if that makes sense. Because then I feel like, in My Bloody Valentine's case, they have music that sustains through all of that. And this is kind of the Dandy Warhols being like, well, we could be epic too. And then it doesn't work. It, it doesn't go anywhere. It's a, it's a wah-wah pedal riff for 16 minutes. And you can make that work if you're better about it, but like they're not. <laughs> like the only reason My Bloody Valentine gets away with it is that they just... A, they don't do it on an album. No, it's only it's, live. It's only live. And it's... The idea is... Um that they just overwhelm the audience with noise and this i can see how like this would be cool live and especially if you were on a lot of drugs <laughs> but like I, I don't need to be on drugs to be blown away by my bloody valentine doing a 16 to 30 minute song yeah like this album is not the worst but it is they definitely get better from here. <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, their songwriting gets better. It, they it seems like they fuck around less. Uh, like I, that enemy. Like enemy is known for being facetious, but like they fuck around a lot on this album. Mm-hmm. There's so much fucking around. And that's kind of like I didn't. I didn't do a whole lot of research into their background, but there is a, a certain amount of just like. Well, this is what the scene is like. So if we just like fuck around within the scene, we're we're guaranteed to succeed, and that's kind of a up until recently. Oh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. So uh, another song that we didn't mention that's good is nothing to do. I mean, it's like a really mm-hmm. like trifle of a pop song, but it's it's fun. Motor City Steel was the the Danny Warhol song that I really like recently on their most recent album called uh, Why You So Crazy. Which is about a, a girl who wants to, who her whole dream is wearing tiny pants from France and her boyfriend just has a truck. I feel like maybe the Dandy Warhols are the... They took over from the Lemonheads. Like, as the Lemonheads got worse, the Dandy Warhols stepped in and became the new Lemonheads. I can see that. That's a reasonable take. I think it's a reasonable take. I think that we also have to talk about Tony, the song is called Lou Weed, because that song is really funny. <laughs> like, it's, it's, the song is good enough that you can listen to it after the joke stops being funny, but the first time I listen to that song, I laugh my ass off, because it's just him doing a Lou Reed impression. <laughs> so much there's so much velvet underground in the den- and, that, and that's what their through connection through glam is is that they they went for psychedelia but they also picked up on the the velvet underground vibe and that's and obviously they do because their later album cover is a banana 
Like they, yeah. they fucking care about this. Yeah, I mean, it's all the factories. I mean, they're called the Dandy Warhols. Yeah. They have a song called The Song is Totally Weed. They copied a Velvet Underground album cover. Like, have they, have they referenced Basquiat somewhere? Like, I'm sure they probably have. Yeah, it's, it's, the Dandy Warhols are such a weird thing. And that's, that's why I was like, I want to talk about them because. They're kind of a band that no one really knows the origin of. They just know the couple songs that they know. And there's a whole journey here. <laughs> there's there's like over 20 years of journey here. Almost. They, You know, give them credit. They're not a band that I thought had 20 years in them. You know, that is fair. And their last album came out in 2019. So, like, they fucking stuck with it. Yeah. And that's crazy. Because when I heard You're the Last High, I was like, mm, okay. I was shocked that they made a second album, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) See, and I, that's where I started. That was like the the third, second, third, and fourth album. Uh, But yeah, it just, it's a whole thing. I'm not going to rank this album very high. Let's just going to be honest about that. Do do we need to go to the rankings now? Because I think we've said what we can about this. This album is just kind of, if they tried harder... Everything would have been better. Yeah, it, the, they have what? There's ride, Lou Weed, Genius, Grunge Betty, nothing to do. TV theme song. They have six songs that feel like they were written, and then the rest of the album is like they smoked about a dump truck full of weed and fucked around in the studio. Yeah, this, and this album is technically one. Seventeen tracks. Yeah, over an hour long. Yeah, sixteen minutes of wish could have been cut. Oh God, yeah. I'm sorry. I feel like we're just like trashing this this band. No, and I think there's a lot of. We're good not. Here. It's a good. It like it's a good album. It's it's definitely not. I would not go higher than good. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh it's like it's just furniture. Like it's it's music that's there, and it's they get better from here. Which is good, but it's obviously not every. So we've talked a lot about bands on this on this show that their first album was like a fucking banger, and we're like, yeah, this is great. And this is an album where it's like their first album is a whole a whole situation, not necessarily a banger, you know. And like the Dandy Warhols are consistent, and what they do well, they do well, and they've done well for over twenty years, and that's crazy, <laughs> like almost twenty five years now. Nuts. Nuts. Okay, so let's pull the list up here. And where are you thinking this should go? Uh, I think it should probably go... Um, above Marcy Playground, but below Stereolab. That is exactly what I would have suggested, actually. <laughs> Because, I mean, I like that Marcy Playground album. I just think the out this... And I should be defending that Marcy Playground album more. But the takeaway is Sex and Candy. That's the only song on the album. That's the only reason that song, that album is where it is. Yes. And I think that this album is functionally better. Right. So for the listeners who are not looking at the list, that would put this at number 16. Yeah, I'm good with that. Like, I look, sometimes we don't have to fight about stuff. A lot of times we agree. <laughs> like, we... we I mean, for people who aren't aware, we're married, so we deal with this frequently. We have, over the last, oh god, how many years has it been? Uh, since 2016, we have been together, 2006, sorry. Yeah. We have been together. We've been together for 14 years. Yes, so. Not married the whole time, but. No, but we have had a considerable amount of time to get in one another's head when it comes to this kind of thing. And, yeah. No, I knew exactly when I picked this album it was not going to go high. Yeah, and I mean, I don't feel like you're doing that to placate me or anything. No, like I, you, I... I don't get the impression that you think this belongs in the top ten. Fuck no. It's it's a, it's a an album. It exists. It, it was a... I didn't know what to pick, so I picked an album. <laughs> Alright, so this one's going to go at... Number 16... Which means that there are no changes to our top ten this week. 
going to read it off anyway because that's the tradition. Uh, number 10 is Anxiety by Fei Wong. Number 9 is What's the Story Morning Glory by Oasis. Number 8, Eight Arms to Hold You by Veruca Salt. Number 7, 10 by Pearl Jam. Number 6, Without You I'm Nothing by Placebo. Number 5, Kill Uncle by Morrissey. Number 4, Superstition by Susie and the Banshees. Number 3, Philosophy of Momus by Momus. And number 2 is Liberation by the Divine Comedy. And the new number 1, as of last week, Get Lost by the Magnetic Fields. And if you want to see our complete rankings, those are at bit.ly slash nr1990s. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash nr1990s. And now is the time on the show when we talk about next week. What are you bringing to us next week? Uh, Where Have All the Merrymakers Gone by Harvey Danger. We talked about it last week. And now it's time. Yep. I really want to talk about flagpole today. That's the, I fucking love that song. That sounds fucking great. <laughs> it's a that's a good song. I I have not listened to. I've heard one other song from that album, and it, it was also good. So we'll I'll, see I'll, how I'll, it goes. I'll but spoil the whole lot. It's a fucking banger. So so get ready. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm bringing one that um is much more ponderous than that. I'm going with uh, the Divine Comedy, not the band. Uh, the album, the Divine Ugh. Comedy by Mila, oh. aka Mila Jovovich. Because it is an album from the 90s that we have to rank, and it's actually better than you think it is. At least if you like Kate Bush as much as I do, it's better than you think it is. I like Kate Bush more now than the last time I listened to that Mila album, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's, well, we'll talk about it next week. We'll talk about our feelings about Mila and her brief music career. And the time she performed on Conan O'Brien with no bra on. (laughs) um anyway until next week you can find our official playlist on spotify if you search for in our 1990s you can listen to all of the albums that we've ranked there and in the meantime i don't have anything else to say so let's uh what do you say we get the fuck out of here it's burger time <laughs>